You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to go to Manchester, but how? About time you invented your own form of transport. What are you thinking? A kind of seat on wheels? Great. With free Wi-Fi, fancy food and some tiny bottles of wine? Yeah. And this invention, it goes at 125 miles an hour with toilets? You mad genius. What is this totally original creation of yours? Oh, wait. You're going to kick yourself when you realise. Virgin Trains, proudly serving you for 22 years. Free Wi-Fi available across 88% of all journeys excludes voyages. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I am joined in the studio by We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and Tom Edwards, the returning Tom Edwards. Very good to see you. Very good to see you, Will, because you wasn't here last week. It's nice to see your face after a week off. James Jones needs a break because he is flying high in a West Ham quiz. Is he hell? I know. It was, it was, is he hell? I went to see your face. He is not flying high. Sabbatical. Sabbatical. Will, you are flying high. I just wanted to obviously wind you up there because obviously James Jones, the run of poor form continues. He lost last week to Danny Lewis. But this is the West Ham fan show. We are going to be looking at the Everton game on the week. Weekend. I know they both want to say abysmal. An incoming rant, maybe uh, dissecting the game. We're going to be doing it all. Glad to say, though, in a more positive step, we will have John Monker on the show, and that will be a delight to have his insight and to talk a little bit about West Ham's season so far. Then we'll look towards the game on the weekend against Sheffield United, who are in fantastic form, going really well in the Premier League, beating Arsenal last night. So they're going to fancy their chances against West Ham this weekend, who have had back-to-back defeats but as always you can join in with the show you can tweet us at love sport radio or you can call us on 0208 70 20 558 you can also whatsapp on the same number or even better you can see the delightful will and tom on youtube you can watch the show there and you can put your questions to us and we will endeavor to answer them but we have to start with a negative unfortunately will it's what we do on this show maybe if west ham got the three points it wouldn't be a negative but everton on the weekend what happened well 
Funnily enough, James isn't here this week because he's on jury service. <laughs> right. And I'm hoping that a few of the players are going to be up in the dock. <laughs> and he's uh, casting his eye over there, Charlie. But no, I wasn't here last week, Charlie, because international breaks. So I figured if I duck out the show every time England are playing, everyone who's listening gets the impression that I'm some sort of international level mm. broadcaster. You might well be. You are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's not yeah. you might be, you are, you it's, know. It's just like every, every time, uh, every Tuesday that I miss out when England are playing, because I'm doing the England show. The England show, yeah. Level. Abroad as well, wherever <laughs> yeah. we are, yeah. We, we, we sorely missed you, honestly. James, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to gloat about his next hospitality appearance. <laughs> he didn't know where to look. You know, he was all at sea at the, the, uh, the quiz for the mystery player. Tom, I know you're going to make... Uh, a better run at it tonight because we'll I need a good go actually he doesn't need much to, to gloat and get a big head as I'm sure you know so let's take away that, that big ego at the minute obviously we'll our kid but the game on the weekend I mean well I'll tell you what as uh, I say we w- welcome Tom back again tonight and I'm going to go to Tom I think if we throw this one to Tom first because he <laughs> actually said to me earlier on it's been the, one of the most depressing weeks as a West Ham fan of his life which I thought was a bit of an over-exaggeration, but I thought I'd give him a chance I think, to... Uh, wait, yeah, Tom, when, the, the, the hardest week? Let's, well, let's no, I don't, when I mean hard, I mean that the fact that we had the opportunity, what is it, a week ago now against Palace to go third and win that game, and we home game against Palace, albeit they're on good form and they're a very good team away from home, and it's, it's tough, but the fact is we went 1-0 up, scored a beautiful goal to go 1-0 up, and then we... Died out that game. All game, in fact, we struggled to create clear-cut chances. I know Haller scored in that, but it was just the culmination at the Everton games. I realised, and also when you sit back and you see Sheffield United win that game and you realise, hey, they're actually above us now, they're one point above us, we haven't had as good a start as people think and people were talking about two weeks ago. We played well, in my opinion, we probably played well once for 90 minutes, which is against Norwich, all season. Uh, United, well, sorry, to I think we, I think we played well against United, but I think they're also a subpar team, and I think you've yeah, got to look at that result and take it as they're a mid-table team you've got to beat at home now. And I think we've done, we've done very well, and we picked up very good points up until those two games. We did all right, and we picked up good points. Even a result away at Bournemouth wasn't too bad, coming back pretty late in the game to get mm. a point there. But what I'm saying is that for a team who has the potential we do, particularly in that front six to be a team especially when you look at Arsenal and everyone dropping points around us or everyone dropping points in fact who are ahead of us now who've got the opportunity to get top six you see Leicester churning out results and teams like that and Wolves even nipping out heels again after a bad start and you think look it is, it's not good enough really to be honest with you to lose three games to not to get one point from three teams around us is the exact same thing that happened last year and it can't it's got to stop I think well Tom truly on good form here because he just tweeted in before the show started tune in for the Everton post-mortem and he wasn't wrong because we haven't even looked at the Everton game and he's talking about the other games Tom is not a happy chap and he's mentioned it's not been uh, the best weeks well that week's obviously extended because it was international break so you lingered over that Palace result for a little bit longer but Will I know you certainly won't pull no punches because you're always very honest about your team but on the weekend fair to say terrible performance uh, abysmal yeah mm. Worst, worst performance of the season and uh, I think everyone who's listened to the show regularly will have been quite aware that you know James likes a rant and <laughs> he's, he's guilty yes we all are every you've now and then you've taken James's of... seat you've swapped it's no, putting me off well, you know, this, <laughs> is, is our trade, this is the <laughs> chief seat <laughs> yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah. but no I think you know James does like a rant and I get it you know he as we all do every now and then get in that in that sort of football bubble the week in week out bubble mm. and I had an agreement with myself before this season that I was going to make a point of looking at West Ham from the bigger picture and going, look, what you know, it doesn't matter if you lose one week. I'm not going to get all caught up in it. 
And that's what I did after Palace. I remember saying to you, I said, look, it was a frustrating defeat. I didn't actually think we were the worst team on the mm. day. I thought Palace were very well organised and took their chances when they came. Declan Rice with a one in a million handball. Annoying. And then the the offside at the end, fine. But then I said, you know, I think we've we had the exact amount of points all fans would have expected us to get. Two defeats at that stage, albeit one of them was against Palace, who we'd have probably thought we'd beat at the beginning of the season instead of United, who perhaps people might have thought we would we would have lost to, but we beat them. I think the annoying thing is that performance at Everton, that sort of washed all that away for me because it was just we were just so bad. Mm. So bad it was embarrassing. It, it really was, was it was just you had eleven players on that pitch and I think perhaps three of them at Matt like at best would have have put in a six out of ten performance. Who were the three for you, if there were any? Because you said about uh, James being on jury service, a few players need to take a look at themselves. They could be up. Who, who were the ones that really need to take a... I know it is one game. We're not being over the top here, you know, knee-jerk reaction. But who needs to take a look at themselves and really up their game in the coming fixtures? Well, that's... The, I mean, we'll, we'll go into it in a little bit more detail later on, perhaps. But I think Memo Lanzini was atrocious. Philippe Anderson, mm. everyone will say, oh, 45 million quid, however much he cost... He could have been five million quid, and that was still a bad game for him. If that, yeah, well, but he was. I, I thought Anderson was awful. I thought Lanzini's been off colour for weeks now. I really don't understand what Anderson's brand is. Really, I just thought everyone was just really not just non-committal, low energy. No, no one really cared. It seemed like one of them classic games. Mm. Just as winter's coming in, it's getting a bit chilly. The pitch didn't look very good, which I was surprised about. It's early kickoff on a on a Saturday. I hate early kickoffs. Well, I, I normally love them. Weekend, weekend yeah, really it is. Is. I normally love them, but I could just it just seemed like that. You know, players mm. are just they had that early Saturday chilly up in Merseyside. Mm. Let's remember Everton were eighteenth in the Premier League. This that is game. the problem. It's just so annoying. And Tom made a good point. You say you know everyone goes oh well West Ham beat Man United but Man United aren't the side they were they're not the force they were you need to be beating teams like that and on the same side so were Everton they're down there you did not want them to spark their season this year against you it was the perfect chance I know it was away after the international break to go and get a result and get that three points but West Ham for me very very flat doesn't matter about the opposition though Charlie mm. the, the Man United game you play what's in front of you yeah yeah and Man United game we mm. did we did enough as mm. we, we turned up and we played our game they but might they didn't do that, that against day. Everton. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly the players saying. tune in for the Man United. Oh, it's Man United at home. But you can't look at it like that. You need to have that desire, that commitment every game. And it definitely wasn't there on exactly. Saturday. And I think that's uh, the, what we were saying about who do you think's a bit under ball or whatever. I think the one we've we've got to look at as a club in the way to get the best out of them because he is the best footballer at the club is for me, Felipe Anderson. And the, the bloke has scored one goal since Boxing Day in the Premier League, which is in a loss against United away from home. And you've got to look at that. And he, when I mean best player, I mean he's got that magic moment who can change a game and win a game against Talent-wise, ability-wise. Talent-wise. Yeah. And against Norwich, he ran that game from start to finish and one of the best performances I've seen at Olympic Stadium from a player. But since then, he's he's not really hit the heights and he's not affecting the game as much. He's not getting anywhere near Haller. Haller's running a one-man show at the top and we've got to find a way that we can break down a team like Sheffield United at the weekend and we've got to work out a way how we're going to create chances and he's a big factor of that. Well, Everton made five changes on the day. They'd obviously worked on West Ham in the international break. They were really up for it. West Ham made a few changes. A couple of them were obviously injury-induced uh, wire. But Yarmolenko on the bench and obviously four now starting. Was that strange? Because I know you questioned Yarmolenko a few shows back, Will, but since then, he's actually been one of the better players. Scored a few goals. He, he's been on a semi 
mini good run himself. Were you surprised to see him on the bench? Oh, I did. It was up at Villa Park. I remember mm. I, was, I was sitting there, went up to Villa Park for the game, watching the game, and he was. He was awful. Mm. Got hauled off early, and it made sense. But yeah, like you say, since then, he's been outstanding. And no, it made sense, to be honest. He was away with Ukraine. I think he played 90 minutes mm. for Ukraine in the it's international twice, break. Mm. Yeah, one exactly. One, yeah. Of, one of few who played... Uh, who actually played? Well, hopefully they're, the they're qualified break. now, so maybe the next international break. Mm. Yeah, but what what I mean is he mm. was one of few West Ham players who went away and actually had a a, a hard run out in that international break. So it, it made sense, you know. We've 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 spent a, a fair bit of money on Fornells, and he he was very much bigged up when he signed. And Pellegrini's trying to make it work for him. So and to do that, you've got to give him game time. I think he's. Uh, you know, everyone will say from what they saw at the weekend, he wasn't very good. He did frustrate me a little mm. bit, and he has been frustrated. I haven't seen anything really when he's been on the pitch in a West Ham shirt to go. God, yeah, everyone was really right about all the hype beforehand. But no, I, I understand leaving Yarmolenko on the bench. And when he came on, he's probably one of the best players. But mm. I know that Tom, you're saying this week it's been a painful week, and you know you're you're looking at other results where West Ham have lost, and even games where you've got the, the the victory looking at the Man United game we should be winning that but if if I'm right I'm sure you two would tell me otherwise that was West Ham's first defeat on the road wasn't it this season it was the first away defeat yeah. yeah so if you look at a stat like that albeit nine games in this is still good going and you are still up there you know is there a because we all do it we said it this knee jerk reaction or are you judging this overall on Tom and you saw that maybe the cracks were already starting to creep in I think it's a bit of both I think yeah. partly it was also me over exaggerating <laughs> behind closed doors you had to do the pool. You, was, you was feeling Exactly. for James's rap. Exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. But I think the, the reason why it was so frustrating, it's not about Ferg because you're nine games in. It doesn't matter where you are then. It's about the points. But what was is the the thing which cost us last year was losing to the teams around us. We'd beat the teams above us at home or, or we'd run them close and we'd have good games and we'd go away Big from home. Big team mentality. That's it. That's it. That's, that's what's pulling us through. But, but we couldn't do we would always struggle to break down the teams around us or beat them, especially particularly away from home to actually get results and things like that. And when you're looking at Everton, but then again you expect to have West Ham to go especially Goodison Park and lose, but also to a team who needs a win, whose managers under their cosh, who do you want to play? You probably want to play West Ham. Honestly, it feels like that sometimes. And it was just frustrating in the sense that we went to a team who was zero confidence. A few of our players gone away in international break. Yarmolenko did alright, I know Rice didn't so but it's one of those games for us, which means a lot to us in the sense of where we feel this team is going, because you've got to do well against the teams around you, and we, we're not doing that at this minute in time. One point from Palace, Bournemouth, and them's not good enough. No, it's very true. Well, a lot, uh, me and you and, and James have made a lot on this show about obviously losing Fabianski, what a player, and, and how important he is to the West Ham side. Obviously, Roberto's in goal now. Was he at fault for the first goal? Was that unfair? Is that harsh? I thought he made a class save with his head from <laughs> Diop's attempted own goal. Uh, no, he did. I, I think he just looked he looked like a sub keeper, to be mm. honest. I think he did actually all right at Everton, to be honest. At fault, probably, but I just think he looks robotic and slow. He just doesn't look anywhere near athletic enough for me. One of the Sunday league keepers I used to play with moves faster than him, I think. so. <laughs> well, someone who will know a little bit more about players coming in and out of the side and how West, West Ham are actually doing this season, we will be joined by John Monker next. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. 
You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and Tom Edwards. We're talking everything about West Ham. We had to cover the defeat on the weekend, but we can put it in the rearview mirror now. We can look towards the game on the season. It is Sheffield United. But I'm delighted to say we are also joined by West Ham legend John Moncur has gave us a little bit of time. John, thank you for joining us tonight. It's a real pleasure to have you on and talk to you once more. John, what went wrong on the weekend for the Hammers? Uh, I don't know. I think everything, if you look at the game <laughs> in general, like, they were just, uh, for me, they were too good. I think that our waveform has been really good, but it didn't really didn't work out, to be fair, at the weekend. John, just a quick one. On, on that, when you must have had games like that before where, where you're on the pitch and you know you're surrounded by good players, you know you're a good player and you know you've got performances in you, especially just weeks after after they've beaten Man United. What yeah. is there at Goodison Parks there's been it's been swilling around all week about oh we never win at Everton, blah blah blah. I know we won yeah. last year, but it's a bit of a bogey ground. Did you ever yeah. have that when you go to crowds and you, you're thinking as a player, you're going out on the pitch going, I know we're good, they're lower than us in the league, but Jesus, we never win here. I think you do get that. I mean, I look back at, uh, I mean, be honest, I never won a lot of Everton. I only <laughs> won there one in, in 10 years. But uh, individually, you get get gut grounds. I mean, I, I, I always had a mayor at Middlesbrough for some reason. <laughs> right, I always yeah. done well at Aston Villa. It's weird. But collectively, it shouldn't be the fact because if you look at sort of years over the years, all the personnel changes. Yeah. So to not win at Everton, it's, it's a weird one, you know what I mean? But I think that it is a, a, quite a tough ground to go and, and sort of dominate Everton. It's quite tight. It's a bit like Upton Park used to be. So, I don't know. We just didn't turn up for me. John, how much does that play on players' minds then? Because you just mentioned now, you know, we we never really got a result at Everton, you know, Villa, Middlesbrough. Before, you know, when you get the fixture list and you look at these games, does that, how much of a mental effect does that have on players? Because you go there, you're on the coach and you go, we never get a result here, you know, the ref never helps us, we just can't seem to get it done. Is that a big factor going into the games? It shouldn't be, and as I say, you probably have a little bit of fault individually. Like one, you know, as I said, there high grounds where I thought I've got to play well here because I ain't played well here for a couple of years. But it shouldn't happen as a group. You know what I mean? I just think that the games come in. You look at us. We needed to after the United game. We need to go and beat Palace at home, and we're third. You know what I mean? Look, you think of West Ham. What a start that is. We go and we beat them. We're third. All everything's. You know, everything's rosy, we're flying, and we lose to Paris. Then we, you know, all of a sudden, we're on a little bit of a slide, and that that game come at the wrong time. I think it was one of them games that they really need a result, Everton. I mean, if they don't win, I think the manager's on his way. That's, that's you know, and they haven't been great at home. So it just had that little bit of a, the timing, and it was a little bit, for us, it come at the wrong time. Hi, John. Um, do you think about Declan Rice's performance in the weekend. Do you think it was a backlash from international duty? It was I'm not saying he was terrible, but the last twenty minutes in particular fatigue, do you think have you seen it before where players come back from international duty and they come back and they're actually in a lot worse form than when they left? Do you think that might have affected him or do you think he might actually move back to centre half in the future? Nah, listen, he's he's been brilliant in there. You he know, has, yeah. I wouldn't think about moving him at all, you know, he's uh 
he's probably England's best holding midfield. I just think that the boy's still young. We forget our, you know, and he's played a lot of games. Mm. So, you know, at West Ham, he's played every minute more or less. Uh, he goes away. It's it's a lot of football at a high level, you know. So mm. everyone's going to have a little spell, especially in the season where, you know, you're not firing, your confidence dips a little bit. So I just think maybe I wouldn't rest him because he's, he's too pivotal for us. But mm. I think hopefully he'll have a sort of a rethink and have a little break if he can. You know, maybe have a few days off training. I know it. You know, just recharge because he's, he he's been outstanding. Yeah. He just yeah, he looked a bit fatigued, and he, as I say, he's had a lot of football this year. John, I I totally agree with you on Declan. I think the the worrying thing for me is. Is Felipe Anderson? I think Lanzini had a poor game again at the weekend. He's looked really off colour all season. I don't know if that's the the new long term deal that's perhaps sort of you know he's he's uh, riding on riding yeah. on that wave a bit and thinking oh, I'm sorted for five years. But the yeah. Anderson one, I I always felt even when he signed, it felt like it was very much going to be oh, he's going to come here, he's going to be mustered for three or four seasons yeah. and then get his big move somewhere else. But yeah. he, he seems to have been stagnating. He, he seems to really be quite streaky. And last season, yeah. he had that little spell in the middle when he was absolutely brilliant. I think he got seven out mm. of his nine goals last season within two months or something. What, what, yeah. what do you make of him? No, I think I agree with you, definitely. I think when you've got them type of players, the two you've mentioned now, they are flair players. And the real top, you know, if you're talking, we're going into brackets of of world-class players if you if you start, you know, you look at Lionel Messi and uh, you look at players like Hazard and Ronaldo. Noble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nobelino. They, uh, <laughs> they basically, they're, they're producing week in, week out, the top, you know, of their, of their, you're talking flair players, they're producing every week, scoring goals, creating goals. It's a very hard job to do and only the top can do that. Uh, when you're a, a flair player, attacking player like they are, it, it's very tough. So we need them players because that's what wins us games. But I think for them, especially Anderson, I think he's got to find a little bit more consistency and look at those top players because on his day, he is like that. He, he's unplayable. Mm. He's got everything. He's got pace. He sees things. He's got a great touch. He can go either way and he's got a good end product. So... If he, he's got to think, look, if I really want to be you know, one of the best players in the world, I've got to do what I do more consistently. And that's that's what players like, you know, we need them Lanzinis and them flair players that we've got to produce a lot more consistently. I mean, obviously, John, I'm assuming it, no matter how much money you're on or no matter how good people have touted you to be before, it's obviously, unfortunately, not just as, as easy as that because you assume Lanzini, Anderson, they obviously seem to like playing for the club. You feel like if they could just switch it on like that, they would. Did you ever play with anyone who you was you felt was going to be something really, really special at the club and then just for whatever reason it might be, just never really, just ended up kind of flittering out, which I'm getting a little bit worried Anderson might be doing? Uh. Not really. I think, you know, the, the real top players that I've played with, the Canios and uh, Joey Cole when he come in, you know, they, they, they always produced. Uh, and they didn't, un, you know, you couldn't say they was they undersold themselves. Joey got a move and the Canio was a legend, you know. Mm. But I'm talking about these players, we, we never had that many of them. I mean, after I left, 
Tevez was the next one. Yeah, sure. They're, they're, yeah. You, you're talking world class players. So I didn't play with with that many. The only world class players I played with really at West Ham was obviously you, you know you, you put Frank Lampard, Rio, the boys that come through, Joey Cole, yeah, uh, Canio. But I think the way that you know we've been over the last couple of years, these players uh, are top players. You know, if you look at them, they could go and play in any team mm. if they can keep keep their standards up to the highest level. You know, you, Anderson, as you said, last year, you looked at him, he could play in, in any team, but he just dips, doesn't he? he he's yeah. one of them, he'll add two or three games where you think, where's he gone? I feel and like yeah. that's, I, I don't know if you agree, John, I feel like that's the difference between a lot of, like you see, you know, you see Aguero and David Silva doing it. That they, they do things that, you know, that Anderson's done before. I feel like the only difference between playing for a West Ham or a Leicester or a Wolves or a Man City or a Liverpool is that, you know, Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and Aguero and Silva can just turn up and they do it four weeks out of five rather than one out of three or four. I always felt like that about Yossi exactly. Benayoun. I thought he was one of the mm. best players I'd ever seen at West Ham. Yeah. But he'd do it once and then for four games he'd, he'd go missing. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head, definitely. And, and, and is that a factor of they're in better teams? You know, if you look at yeah. it, they're, they're in the teams. You know, you look at Frank when he played for, for West Ham. He, he was a great player. But no one would have thought he'd go and play as consistently well as he did when he went to Chelsea. And they're winning, you know, they're winning every week. So there is that, you know, you can turn around and say, well, look, perhaps as a unit, we, are, we, are, we ain't at that level yet of the Chelsea's and the, and the Liverpool's and the Man City's. So these players can probably have a dip in form, yet still win 3-0. And, you know, and then they'll have their, their great spell. And at West Ham, we, we've got to have them all firing. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, to get that level where we're actually beating teams regular. And if, we, if they all turn up, we can beat anyone. You know, but as you see there, especially the last couple of games, if they dip... And we're going, you know, we're going to, we're going to struggle. John, under Pellegrini, we've had a bit of an issue. We've been very good in patches, and we've played unbelievably against the top sides. We had a bit of an issue home and away against the sides who are around us, the type of sides we're trying to take points off to finish in that sixth to ninth region. And what do you, what do you put that down to? Do you think that we open up too much against them sides, or do you come in with it slightly less up for the game? Or what, what do you put that down to? Because it's that, that's the most frustrating thing when you lose the sides around you and you know they're nicking points off you yeah. for the rest of the season. Listen, it, it can be, you know, if you look at West Ham over 20 years, it's the same old thing. They say, like, I, I when I played, oh, you know, we can't beat Man United and we'll lose against Leicester at home. You know, <laughs> what, it's always seemed to happen. And it, what it is, if you look at it, it's a small line. It's a, it's a thin line, but with, with the, the squad we've got there now, mm. I think we need to, to just hit that level of consistency to get us in that, you know, I would call it the second league we're in. We could finish 7th, 8th, I reckon. You know, the, you know, Tottenham are struggling, right? United, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us. We, we might even sneak into Europe if we could find that consistency. That's why it's so because frustrating, I think. It is, it is, definitely. And I know it's a, look, you can. I think the manager's brilliant, Same. right? But I do think that him, him at the top there, he's got to find a way of getting the best out of those players that he signed. 
on a more consistent level. That's my opinion. Yeah, you're certainly right, John. And it all starts this weekend with Sheffield United. John, thank you for joining us once again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show and giving us a little bit of your time. We really appreciate you. West Ham legend there, John Monker. Sure We're going to be pleasure. talking about that. Thank you, John. We're going to be talking about that Sheffield United game. But first, as always, next, it is the West Ham quiz. From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and Tom Edwards. And we've come to that time of the week, that time of the show, and I own up, I admit to it, it is my favourite part of the show because it is the West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. In the real game, in the real stakes, Will Pugh versus James Jones, it is a tie. No James Jones tonight, so in to the chair, Tom Edwards. It is a friendly, but... You two, your friends. It's not it's friendly. A, it's not friendly, is it? There's no pre-season here. There's no international break, is there, Will? It is. Um, I'll be honest, though, Tom. It is one of those fixtures it's quite hard to get up for, you know, when I've got such a bitter rivalry going on with Jonesy mm. at the moment. But when you're on such a run, you need a bit of competition, Will. Well, that's the f- I know what you're <laughs> thinking, Charlie, is that I almost don't need the practice. And James, obviously, last week. Can we just apologise now? John Monco has just been on the Let's, show. Yeah. Let's apologise to John because James Jones... The West Ham legend that he so, is. The so-called West Ham fan, James Jones. Last West Ham week, world, we are West Ham. Oh. On, the, on last week's quiz, as you'll have all heard, that James Jones, A, lost to Danny, who was, who was standing in for me, and B, he didn't get John Moncur after five clues. Well, the man is an absolute happens. shambles. Not John Moncur, of course, James <laughs> Jones. I've never seen a man set him up, set himself up for defeat more than that, have you? Mm, oh, it's going to be so interesting, it Tom. It's a, a lot of pride at stake. Maybe not points, but pride at stake. Uh, as always, thank you to Reese for the quiz because, as always, it is absolute stelling. Let's go for it. It is player number one, clue number one in the West Ham quiz. Clue number one. Signed from Lazio in 2008 for five... Barami, Valon Barami. That is correct. I must admit, just as I was reading that first clue, I thought, this is quite a... uh, uh, and you know, and it, yeah, Easy. on the first clue. God, but Reese, normally you sterling work from Reese. <laughs> <laughs> player number two, Tom Edwards, one nil to Will Pugh. Uh, yeah, one player, nil to Tom Edwards. That's what I said. Oh, Tom sorry, Edwards, one yeah. nil beating Will Pugh. Sorry. St- uh, did you hear that? I nearly gave it away. Then right, I'm, I'm not. I'm not concentrating at all. Will you threw me? Player number two, clue number one, born in the United States of America. Jonathan Spector. That is incorrect. Clue number two, played 399 games for the club. 399. Scott Minto? No. Clue number three, captain for three years from 1994 to 1997. Steve Potts. That is correct. Oh, that means that he's one. See you Born later. Born in the USA. Born in the USA. It is 1-1. Okay. One, one. So we go on to the final player, almost a tiebreaker of sorts. Player number three, clue number one. Fingers on the buzzers, you need this, Tom. Clue number one, began their career at Carrick Rangers. Christian Daly. No. Michael Carrick? No. (laughs) What? What? Michael Carrick from Carrick Rangers. Shambles. (laughs) Tom, you've lost your head. That's poor, is it? He's embarrassed himself. This is almost a James Jones Moncur situation. This is terrible. (laughs) Can we get an opponent for Will Pugh, please? (laughs) Clue number two. Become the first player to change clubs for free on the Bosman ruling. Uh, Not Malky Mackay, is it? No. No. 
It's not Michael Carrick, is it? Uh, no. Clue number three. Scored the goal that stopped Man United winning the league in 1995. Kitson. Oh, I don't no. know. Uh, Clue number Donna, four. Don Hutchinson? No. No, no, no. no. I, I, I. <laughs> Clue number four, and I'll tell you why. Northern Ireland International. Steve. <laughs> no, it's not Steve Lomas. Uh, Tom's head's gone. This is all for you. I have, I have. Go on. I'm Clue dancing. number five. Shirt number 17 and 24. Two spells at the club. That's all right. All the clues. <laughs> all the clues. Not Ian Dowie. Oh, it's not Ian Dowie, no. 24. I'm going to quickly run it through because it yeah, is 1-1. On. On. Clue number one. It began their career at Carrick Rangers. Clue number two became the first player to change clubs for free on the Bosman ruling. Clue number three scored the goal that stopped Man United winning the league in 1995. Clue number four, Northern Ireland International. Clue number five, shirt number 17 and 24. Do you know the answer very quickly? It's ask the audience time. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 7020 558 or quickly get your WhatsApps in on the same number because Tom and Will, we are West Ham, are struggling. It is 1-1. Uh, it, I mean, will, be, it, will it be time for... A, a... Two years before I was born, so I've got to have a little bit of slack. <laughs> All right, okay. No, I, I think... Carrick Rangers, I'm thinking Scottish. Bosman, that's going to be the one. The Bosman thing's going to be As soon as so I heard Carrick Rangers, I thought Michael Carrick. I don't know what you mean. It's Michael Carrick's dad. <laughs> but Northern <laughs> Ireland International. Mm. All no, right, shall I give you a clue? Yeah. Will be known from me, how I knew this player, had a big stint uh, with Wimbledon in the Premier League from 97 to 2002. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> This is their, their their clubs. Started with Carrick Rangers, went to Manchester City, went to Strasbourg in France, went on loan to West Ham, then made a permanent uh obviously made it permanent at West Ham, then went to Wimbledon where they was at for five years, went to Birmingham on loan, Crystal Palace Coventry, ended at St Neot's Town. St Neot's Town is in Cambridge. I even know where that is, but I don't know this bloke. No. They are currently forty eight years old. Teams managed Carrick Rangers 2011 to 2013. Get rid of them. Can we have some confirmation that Carrick Rangers is in Scotland? Because that's sticking in my head. Okay, hold up, hold up. I reckon it's in Northern Ireland if he's from there. Wow. It, yeah, it's Northern Ireland. It's a Northern Irish team. No, it's just... People are... Uh, position? Get... Position? Uh, he's an attacking midfielder. I almost remember him as a. I could get this wrong. A wing, a, wi- a winger of sorts, like right-handed side, I believe. But t- attacking midfielder. So this is really bad. I'm never normally stumped as much as this. But in July 1996, this player moved to West Ham permanent. In the process, he became the first British player to change clubs for free on a Bosman ruling. The following season, Joe Kinnear took this player to. Uh, Wimbledon in a 1.6 million deal. We've had a WhatsApp in. Uh, they can't be talking about us because they've said Alan Shearer. So, <laughs> no. Oh, I thought it was him. <laughs> <sighs> I think we can have, might have to go initials, but I feel like I'm not even going to get on initials, which I'm M-H. scared. M-H. Michael Hughes. Yeah. 
Oh, that is Come on, Michael sorry. Hughes will wins tonight. It is 2-1 in the West Jam no, Mystery Player Quiz. I, I thought Michael Hughes were good when we was going on. No, I was quite pleased one. with that. That was an impress. I should have known Michael yeah. Hughes as well. What, what happened to you two? If, it's the international breaks. You're not getting yourself That's motivated exactly for these problems. Yeah, yeah. I'm no. not too disappointed about Michael Hughes, me missing. I think that was... I think you should be more worried about you thought you, it was Carrick. Yeah, that's the issue. Carrick <laughs> Rangers, it must be Michael Carrick. Not sleeping yeah. tonight after that, honestly. <laughs> Uh, a, a worry indeed look we're going to talk about the game next with Sheffield United and we're going to have a very special guest uh, Callum Cheswick a reporter for v- uh, Varvel to tell us all about the game but before we get into it let's hear your two thoughts on it because Will as you've dubbed it Tevez Gate yeah absolutely I mean I can't I can't wait to be honest it was no it was, it was I one, can't wait for Tevez Gate it was it was one of those games at the beginning of the season I know every such an age old football cliche about oh, whenever the fixtures come out this is the one I look out for and yeah mine's always been Tottenham probably always will be but this season it was it was really up there first time we played them in the Prem since Tevez Gate like I said and it's, it's hard to I, I, I don't know I find among West Ham fans there's quite a split on, on how fans how fans feel about them some don't really care at all but to to try and maintain a little bit of decorum or whatever, I I can't stand Sheffield United. Really, is it that I strongly? Just, because yeah, I don't. I, I absolutely hate them as well. They nearly put us out of business at one point with what they're doing about Tev. And yeah, no, not the, a fan of them no. at all. So is there? A, you say massive rivalry, or you know, I don't care it, about what they do, but. Is it, well, so what rivalry? Yeah, so you really hate them. What is it? The, is a, there's a massive rivalry for you then? Yeah, I just think when a, when a football club goes out there, what, look the Tevez and Mascherano thing. Where was, are they on the ranking? Then you feel sorry. I'm, I'm so excited about this, but you know, if you look at teams at West Ham, do have a rivalry. Mm. Where is it up there for you? How, how close is it? To be honest, <laughs> I, I'm trying to sort of imagine a season where we had, if we had Spurs, Millwall, Chelsea. Sheffield United. I don't particularly for hate me, Chelsea, I think but Chelsea, yeah, Tottenham, Millwall, then them. Um, no, see, that's that's different from my point of view this season. If we had Chelsea, Tottenham, sorry, Tottenham, Sheffield United, Millwall, Manchester United, uh, you know, and they're, they're sort of, and Liverpool perhaps, they're sort of my top sort of four or five, if you like. And honestly, this season, I cannot wait to play <laughs> Sheffield United on Saturday. Um, well, I, I can't I, wait, depending on the result, yeah, we can get a Will Pugh, Morton rant last <laughs> yeah. week. But no, honestly, no, I, I think the, the whole... The, the whole Tevez thing really sticks with me now and Neil Warnock's still got to be in his mm. bonnet about it If like, let's mm. not be let's I think not he was still ro- in charge the rivalry would be slightly more no it would <laughs> it would of course but let's not get this wrong let's remember that Neil Warnock was a huge part of that and it's this isn't just West Ham fans holding on to it Neil Warnock's still got a huge bee in his bonnet about it you listen to anything he says about West Ham on the radio and you can mm. tell he's still upset about it they come after us to sue us and what people remember and you'll forgive me for not having the stats exactly, but they were home and dry with about 11 games to play, mm. and I think they won one game out of their last 11, got relegated, including a home defeat to Wigan on the last game of the season. Only David Unsworth, West Ham legend, banged the penalty in <laughs> for Wigan Athletic and went down, and somehow it's, it's West Ham's fault. Mascarano didn't do anything for the club. He was absolutely useless, so it didn't really matter that we signed him anyway. Tevez, yeah, of course, he was, he was fantastic. But he, he was one of 11 other players. Mm. And if Sheffield United had just conducted themselves like a proper football club at the end of that season, it would have been someone else who'd gone down, probably us. I mean, also, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love Tevez. thought he was brilliant, brought some magic football. Everyone forgets the bloke scored seven goals. The bloke scored seven goals in the Premier League and... 
that is not enough for 50 mil, whatever it was. It, it didn't make that much of a difference. I really dislike him, mainly because of that era. I don't, to be honest, I've not taken much interest in him. I look forward to this fixture. I'm very up for it, and it's one of the most exciting games we have in the league. But I think at the end of the day, they're, they're a team we should be rolling over. We, we should have at the start of the season. But sad thing is, after what I was saying, is after the way they played against Arsenal, I was like, they're pretty much the last team we'd want to play in terms of defensively. They're going to stick up 10 men behind the ball and that's it. Well, to be fair to them, it's not just the way they played last night. They, they have been very good this season. They've conceded like the least amount of goals up there with Liverpool. It's 25 clean sheets uh, since the start of last season, which is the most out of the four tiers in the English football. They are on an incredible run. Chris Wilder doing a fantastic job there. But all of a sudden, I'm very excited to get Callum Cheswick on to talk us about Sheffield United because this next section... Just got a lot more passionate. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and Tom Edwards. Well, it was just getting heated before we went away. Talking about that Sheffield United game, West Ham fans, there is some kind of rivalry. It's certainly been brewing. They are looking forward to this one. They definitely want to get the victory regardless of the last result. Someone who may know more about the Sheffield United perspective, well, Callum Cheswick has joined us now, reporter for Varvel. Callum, the West Ham fans, not the fondest of Sheffield United. Is that safe to say it's the same over there too? Um, I think over the years, like since since everything just kicked off between the two clubs and with the Tevers affair and everything, I think as time's gone on, I think we've just kind of let it run. And the League Cup game um, a couple of years ago, I think you know, I think that went some way into just kind of burying the hatchet for us. I, I don't think we're that bothered about it anymore. I mean, it, it still it still hurts, and uh, as, you know, and in another season in different circumstances, we wouldn't have gone down. But I mean, uh, as you guys were speaking about before, and we we didn't approach the back end of that season well enough, and the form we were in, we probably did deserve to go down. But it, it's still hurt the way it happened. Yeah, Callum, we don't like to talk about the League Cup game too much, to be honest. <laughs> Which game's that? <laughs> no, yeah. But no, I, uh, I'd be, so on, a, on a purely footballing, footballing sense, uh, to be honest, uh, like I was saying, at the beginning of the season, I was really looking forward to the game. And, you know, it was one of the first ones I looked out for because I think, the you know, certainly from a personal point of view, like I was saying, it's kind of split between West Ham fans as to whether they care or not. And it seems yeah. like it's quite a Marmite thing. They either really care and really hate Sheffield United or couldn't really care less. Um, from a poorly footballing sense, though, I'm a little bit nervous about the weekend. Not particularly, not even so much over our form. I think, you know, the weekend was hopefully a blip and, and we've still got good performances in us, which we know. But Sheffield United have, have surprised me a lot. They look not only just like an organised team, they look good going forward as well. Chris Wilder seems a lot more tactically astute than his gruff Yorkshire uh, you know, uh, personality would suggest and I, I would imagine that people at Bramall Lane are feeling quite confident at the moment I mean, Yeah I mean if we're just going off my opinion I'm really looking forward to the game on Saturday I think we will approach it similarly to the, the way we approach the Arsenal game looking to uh, get him round the back with Moose and let, allow the our overlapping centre halves is uh, the the Yorkshire grit um, <laughs> somehow innovated. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, United especially surprised me on the road, um, unbeaten so far in four games. And um, I think that will help. I think the first goal is going to be vital in this one at the weekend because um, West Ham have struggled uh, when they've gone in front. I don't think they've held on to a lead. Well, three times I think they've given up leads, whereas if United get that first goal, they've, in all their three wins this season, they've kept clean sheets so again it's going to be vital that you just uh, mentioned there Callum that you said uh, you think you approach it similarly to Arsenal but do you do you really believe that when we're you're above us now and you're actually on a bit of momentum and you're playing some good stuff I know I just said that you stick 10 men behind the ball which isn't true they do break out but do you think there's any chance that you might open up a bit and you've grown in confidence especially after a result like that which will probably I mean, suit I, us but <laughs> that, I'm hoping you do but what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that, that that's the thing. We, we don't want to be playing into like West Ham's hands. Uh, I think we've got to kind of approach both halves, playing it in thirds, first 15, setting up, like, taking, well, just kind of seeing where the game's at, seeing how West Ham are approaching it. Because I think Yarmolenko, if he's, if he's playing, and same with Philippe Anderson, will be vital. Because I think down the sides, United won't allow those two to get on the ball that much. But if they come inside, try and occupy the half spaces, I think it might cause the back three some problems, especially with Haller. Um, I think he's a great player. He can certainly hold the ball or win aerial battles. But it should be a good, uh, interesting battle to see if he can uh, get past uh, John Egan, who's had a fantastic life while starting the Premier League this season. I think, though... It, we won't go as defensive if we do go in front as we did against Arsenal, but I do think there will be an element of not quite sure what the right word is, but not chasing the game like for the first 45, 60 mm-hmm. minutes. I think if the game starts to go on at nil-nil, United will look to try and hit West Ham more on the break. I think that's that's where a goal will come. Mm-hmm. Callum, with I think the one game I remember was the Leicester game for Sheffield United. I think it was Leicester who, who sort of put in quite a comprehensive win at Bramall Lane earlier in the season. Yeah, what is it from what? what? Yeah, what, what is it from West Ham's point of view that you know? Because I'm I'm quite worried to be honest. We played Crystal Palace a couple of weeks ago. Another team who turned up and they were fantastically organised. That's. They weren't, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, fantastic at football, but they were they were really organised. They turned up, and every single one of their eleven players on the pitch did their job that night. You could tell that every single player knew what they were supposed to be doing, and I get that feeling with Sheffield United as well. What is it West Ham are going to have to do? Do you think if we want to break that down? Well, I think what's been well pretty important for West Ham this season is how the fullbacks have been playing. Uh, I think. With Fredericks and Creswell, you've got two uh, quite energetic and well, just up and down at, in your face fullbacks. And I think they will hold the key as to whether West Ham can get um, three points or a point at the week. And I think if they press high and stop uh, Ender Stevens and George Bollock from getting high into the West Ham half and just progressing United forward, and they got a good chance of allowing Felipe Anderson and Yarmolenko to get time on the ball again inside the half spaces in the little pockets between the midfield and defence 
and with those two you've got enough quality to win games on their own so I think that's going to be vital. If they stay back a little bit and allow Bollock and Stevens to push up, there is the space like in the court, well, around the sides of the pitch for Yarmolenko and Anderson to get into, but I, I don't think you'll be as successful going that way. I think it's pressing high for West Ham because United, to be fair, did play well um, under a high press from Arsenal last night, but they do lack some confidence on the ball at the back. Well, Callum, just quickly then, I have to put you uh, on the hot seat. What's your score prediction? <laughs> um, all depends on the first goal. I'm going to say 1-0 United. Got to be, got to be confident. West, West Ham or Sheffield? <laughs> Callum, a real pleasure having you on. Cheers. Always a pleasure to talk to you. 1 0 is going there for Sheffield United. Before I ask uh, for your predictions, just want to quickly say on the YouTuber, uh, Neil, you've been making lots of YouTube comments and you're always tuning in, so we really appreciate that, Neil, as always. You watching the We Are West Ham, West Ham fan show on Last Sport Radio. Will, um, before score prediction, how do you think the game will go on the weekend? Sheffield United riding high, West Ham, you know, they're in this, I don't want to say a bit of a rut, but with obviously the Palace game and now the Everton game on the weekend, how do you think the game will play out first? No, I think it'll be exactly like Palace. I think it'll be a similar game again. I think it'll be, they'll be well organised. Every player will know what they're doing. Every player turns up and, and puts in a shift for Wilder every week. And yeah, I think it's really on us. The onus is on us to make sure that, that we're matching them with endeavour and heart and energy and, and wanting to be in the game, wanting to play the game, which we weren't Everton. Mm, Tom? I think it's going to be really difficult afternoon. I think we come through that again and I'll have some hope because it's probably one of the last teams we want to, in terms of styles we want to play. It's a team who struggled to score goals, a team who will sit pretty deep and they're defensively sound. So I think it'll be a tough afternoon. But I think, like I said, an early goal will be big. I think maybe 2-1 two, two, us. 2-1, Tom's going, we need it, because I can't do another show if Tom's going to be no hope like this. This has been this has been worrying. I've never seen him this, Dan. This has all been negative. <laughs> Will, what's your score prediction? I know, 1-0. 1-0? It's worse than Tom. No, I only think we'll get a point. I think it'll be the same sort of game again. I think it'd be Ooh. one of them when you're desperate to win, but I think we'll end up going... I just said it's been nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> well, Callum went for a Sheffield United win. Tom went for the West Ham. Will sitting on the fence, 1-1. We've had the, all the three different outcomes there. But either way, we will be here next Tuesday, 7 o'clock, to discuss the result. Either way, a massive game on the weekend. The rivalry of sorts that Will's mentioned. This has been the West Ham Fan Show with Will Pugh and Tom Edwards. You can catch us next week at 7. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. I need to get to Birmingham in exactly one hour, 22 minutes. But how? A chair? But rocket-powered. Is that a thing? A chair on rockets. On rockets! A big fat rocket fest! Hmm, does sound a little dicey. Okay, how about a nice comfy chair on lovely sturdy wheels? Yeah, on super-fast tracks! Double yeah! And, wait, is it a virgin train now? I suppose it is. Well, good. I'll do that. Virgin Trains. London to Birmingham in one hour, 22 minutes. Sports Social Podcast Network.